0: Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today, on the show, we're talking to author Darren Coleman. This is Technotopia. It's allergy season right now, and I have found myself sneezing, coughing, and doing all sorts of awful things. I've also discovered Molecule, M O L E K U L E. It's your best defense against allergy season. Molecule has reinvented the air purifier to destroy airborne pollutants including viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. Using breakthrough photoelectrochemical oxidation, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants, it destroys them on a molecular level. When you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. The old things that we've been using, the HEPA filters, they haven't been updated for 70 years. Imagine trying to make a phone call on a phone that hasn't been updated in 70 years. It's impossible. HEPA filters were invented back in World War II and have pretty much remained the same. Molecule has created a new filtration system that doesn't just collect pollutants inside of an antiquated filter, but destroys them. One customer that Molecule has says that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule doesn't look like a traditional air purifier. It's beautifully designed. You can think of it as the Apple iPod of air purifiers. Not only is the technology inside revolutionary, but the unit itself looks sleek and modern. It's made with an aluminum tube shell, and it fits in any room of your home. Take it from me, Molecule's technology has been personally effective, and it's verified by science. But most importantly, it's been tested by real people like me. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. I would like you to try Molecule. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com. And at checkout, enter the code Techno. That's molecule.com with a K. And at checkout, enter code Techno. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. This show, we have Darren Qualmany, He's the author of Civilization Critical Energy, Food, Nature, and the Future. Welcome, Darren.
1: Thank you, John.
0: Yeah, so this is a. So Civilization Critical is about. Uh, human civilization on the brink of collapse which is not a cheery thought to, uh, to, to bring to the table but, uh, but why don't you discuss what, you, what, you're, uh, what you're talking about in the book
1: Okay Well first I want to clarify we're not necessarily on the brink of collapse <laughs> okay. as I say in the book that uh, we're, we're not doomed. Uh, doom is one choice we can make. We, we seem to be making it in fairly large numbers right now but there are a whole lot of other ways this can go and uh, you know your listeners probably know them, there's some really fantastic technologies out there and solar panels are one that I always like to point to. But what I did in the book is I, like a lot of your listeners, really wanted to try and figure out where we might be headed. So I looked back across 10,000 years of history to try and figure out how we got here, what's this thing we're riding on, what's the flight plan, where might it go, what are the structural cracks you know how how can we keep this thing going or at least a um, highly modified version of this going into the future mm-hmm. so i took a really big picture long term look at our civilization and where it might be going
0: so that that's an interesting so how so the the question is how do we modify our current systems to, to allow us to survive or is there a different question where we basically say how do we trash our current systems Allow ourselves to survive. Is is that still an option, or are we basically stuck with our with with the idea that we need friction to move forward? And uh, aeronautics in the current situation, in the current uh, status uh, that they are, etc.
1: Well, what's really surprising is when you look out across that grand sweep of history, you start to really understand our civilization differently. And and one thing that surprised me was the the really fundamental innovation that made the the modern world. The, the underlying innovation rarely gets talked about. And that's really what I, I point out in my book. The, the foundational innovation is a, a transition to linear systems. Mm-hmm. And r- really, you have to understand that to understand where we are and where we might go and how we might keep this thing going. Uh, I, can, I can tell you what I mean by linear systems and the transition from circular to linear oh, systems I got you. By, okay. by giving you a bit of an example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can give you a bit of an example. Like, everybody eats food. And when you think about food production systems, we've had agriculture for about 10,000 years. And for about 9,900 of those years, for about 99% of the time, we've had agriculture. It was based on circular flows. So uh, the fertility went around in a circle. The nitrogen and phosphorus cycled through the land. Uh, the energy from the farm came from the farm. You know, the the horse raised the oats and they fed the oats back to the horse. so the Course could do some more work to raise more oats. Uh, The seeds came from the plants and they produced more seeds. There was the water cycle, the nitrogen cycle. Really, food production until the 20th century was a set of circular flows. And what we did in the 20th century is we took the circular flows of food production, we cracked them open, we made them linear, and we're currently stuffing literally hundreds of millions of tons of petroleum and fertilizer and chemical and steel into the one end in order to push huge quantities of food out the other end. So when you think about food, you can't understand your food system without understanding the, the foundational innovation, and that is the transition from circular to linear systems. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the jumping off point for my book. But what I go on to point out is that's what's happened to every aspect of our civilization. Every Part of our civilization has made that transition from circular to linear systems, and we now have a whole bunch of linear systems. And we stuff a lot of material into one end, and we get a lot of products out the other end.
0: Was it was it more efficient to do it that way? I mean, I guess I guess I'm answering my own question, but I, it seems like it seems like the circular methodology was probably sort of the uh, the early agricultural uh, technology where there weren't any interconnections farmers uh 10 miles away from each other so you basically had to have a circular system is that that accurate
1: yeah efficiency is a funny thing um i have a whole chapter on efficiency in my book and uh efficiency is a very problematic concept but you know trying as best as i can to answer your question uh we we are more efficient in that we take fewer labor hours to produce our food Mm Mm-hmm. But when you think about the inputs, you know we've never used more petroleum, we've never used more fertilizer, we've never used more steel, more chemicals. So to somehow conclude that this system is, mm-hmm. is more efficient, or as often said, the most efficient system in the world, uh, you, you've got to have a pretty non-standard view of efficiency to take the most petroleum-hungry <laughs> and, and materials-hungry system in the world and call it the most efficient. But again, I don't want to get too negative about this. At this point, I just want us to sort of think about the fact. That the foundational innovation that made the modern world was this transition from thousands of years of circular flows powered by solar energy to what we have today, which is a world based on linear flows powered by fossil energy. Mm -hmm. And what I would suggest is that when you look at the biosphere and how it works, it's all circular flows, solar energy. And when you look at human systems before the 20th century, circular flows again, solar energy. We've created something that is based on linear flows and fossil fuel energy. Now, the word sustainability is overused and usually abused, but when you think about if the whole biosphere is circular and solar, and everything humans did before the 20th century was circular and solar, and we are not circular, and we are not solar, you start to realize that there's some structural aspects of our techno industrial world that might need to be changed if we're going to keep this going.
0: Mm-hmm. What do we do to uh what do we do to do that?
1: Well, luckily we've we've got some real options. Um you know, there I don't want to get into you know, often we talk about technology in in kind of a a quasi religious way, you know, are we doomed? Are we damned or or are we going to be blessed and saved? Will there be a techno rapture? Is the Singularity coming. And I think it's much more complex than that. We we can't fall into these ancient quasi religious ways of thinking. As we move forward, we're just going to have to do some really hard work and muddle through and make good democratic choices. So, solar panels are a bit like a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. It's really, really fortunate that uh, we have this technology where we can turn sunlight directly into electricity without emissions, and without noise and not moving parts and all of that, uh, that we should be maxing out on things like that. So solar panels, uh, we need a train system in North America. We need low emission transit. Uh, There's a whole bunch of technologies that are literally thick on the ground. If you live in a city in America right now or Canada, you've probably never seen an electric bus. Mm -hmm. But... uh, you know individual cities in China have tens of thousands of electric buses China as a whole has half a million electric buses so there's what's really amazing when i hear people say oh we're doomed is you literally have to climb over piles of of technologies that could help us in order to get to that conclusion mm-hmm. that there's nothing we can do
0: so the so the entire goal would be to to use solar energy to power a circular system how do we how do we create a circular mass transit system
1: well as much as possible you know there's two aspects one is solar and the other is circular we need to do both mm-hmm. so uh, every system has an energy supply and every system has a pattern of material flows okay and until recently the only real power system on earth was solar energy and until recently the the, the massively dominant pattern of material flows was circular flows. So we need as much as possible to transition our energy supply to solar and uh, zero emission. So that's not just solar panels, but wind turbines and a limited amount of hydroelectric. But we need to make our materials on earth flow in a circle again. So we we can't have a, a food system that relies each year on creating 200 million tons of nitrogen fertilizer at expense you know at vast costs of fossil fuels and jamming them into one end of the food system and then having it come out the other end of the food system flow down the mississippi river and create this huge dead zone in the gulf of mexico Mm -hmm. those kind of linear systems create depletion at one end and massive pollution and, and environmental damage at the other so we need to start moving materials in circles we need to start working with the cycles of the ecology again
0: so you so you uh you you mentioned a really fascinating image that we have to we have to trip over technologies to to get to the point to the point or the conclusion that we're doomed um what is it going to take to get us to stop and and look around is it because it's a i guess it's the uh, the the frog boiling in the water problem we're not gonna we don't see the. we don't see the issue until it's way too late which is i think his has been the case for multiple technologies. The car uh, was a reaction to a bunch of horse uh, poop all over major cities, um, or actually, it was the solution to that. What's What's the thing that's going to push us over the edge, or is it already too late to
1: notify us? No, it's not too late at all. We, mm-hmm. you know, there's 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 damage already. There's going to be more damage moving forward, but we we have tremendous power. Uh, to really limit the damage that we face in the future. Part of what we have to do is we have to become more evidence-based. We have to think uh, more clearly. We have to muddle through a little bit. We need to engage with our democratic systems. And we need to lose this mythology that somehow uh, the market will save us, that technologies will automatically sort of proliferate and become cheap and that will save us. And we we really need to, to to get behind this project individually and in groups and and in communities and and move it forward Uh, in the places where people work more collectively and and are are maybe a little better at democracy. And I'm thinking uh, Northern Europe and parts of Europe, they're more advanced in these things. Uh, We in North America, our mythology is more focused around uh, the wonders of the market. And frankly, uh, you know, the best-selling vehicle in North America is the Ford F one hundred and fifty. That's what the market's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And we're in year thirty of the climate crisis, and our efforts so far aren't very good. Uh, we'll probably set another record for fossil fuel use and emissions this year.
0: What do you think it is about uh, North America and our and our inability to see see past our own noses? I guess.
1: I I just think we're we're telling each other. A lot of half truths, and and we're propagating a lot of myths. Um, I'm constantly hearing that somehow uh, the price of solar panels will become just so cheap that it'll automatically, through the wonders of the market, proliferate out and and solve the problem. That's part of the solution. We're we're very, very fortunate that solar panels are getting cheaper. Uh, I've got a whole array on my uh, farm up here in Canada, and uh, it's fantastic that I could afford to do that as an individual, but That's not going to do it alone. We need to work as a society, as a civilization, as a democracy, as citizens, and we need to move this forward because uh, the market alone and business isn't going to do that.
0: Hmm. Okay. What does uh, what does the world look like in uh, in twenty years? I always ask the question, but I think you're going to have some interesting answers.
1: I I mean, that's that's the really interesting part of this. Um, The first thing that I try and get out in my book. It's just how powerful and wondrous this is. Uh, I in no way believe that technology is, you know, going to lead us down one path automatically or another. Uh, it's incredibly powerful and wondrous. I point out that during the 60s, for instance, the 1960s, we managed to make maybe a billion transistors in a whole decade. And transistors, as many of your listeners will know, are the foundational technologies in phones and computers and, you know, all the electronics we have. So we made about a billion in a decade. Right now we are manufacturing 25 trillion every second.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've made this incredible communication network. Uh, there's a million people in the sky at any one time in airplanes. Uh, we, we've got these incredibly powerful uh, industrial systems. So we really can use those systems to create a wide range of futures um, if we really repurposed the the planet's industrial capacity in a kind of a world war ii mobilization style effort uh, we could make very very significant progress on climate change uh, within five to ten years mm-hmm. we could deploy uh, a network of low emission trains all across north america uh, we could stop producing internal combustion engine Automobiles and produce electric automobiles. I mean, technology—you can't solve all the problems with technology, but it's one thing you have to do. It's not a sufficient uh, solution, but it's it's necessary that we that we repurpose those industries and start producing technologies that have as little impact on on the biosphere rather than what we're doing right now with our planes and cars and consumption, which is sort of we're maximizing the negative impact. So, really, how technology works isn't a function of technology it's a function of the choices we make around technology
0: why should i why should i pay attention to that when i can just hop in my f-150 and head down to whatever uh olive garden or tim Hortons or whatever and uh, and enjoy my life
1: yeah I, I mean there's lots of you should talk to a philosopher about that one yep. but there's <laughs> lots of reasons i mean there, there's a moral imperative to just not trash uh, the greatest civilization that's ever existed on the planet. I mean, there's there's so much wonder about the world in which we live. We we understand that the stars in the sky are our suns, and we understand so much about um, our history and humanity. Uh, I don't want to see that lost. So there's, there's a moral imperative. But also, you know, people don't seem to be very happy jumping in their F-150 and driving over to Olive Garden. <laughs> uh, we seem to have created this incredibly high energy use, high consumption life that isn't producing much meaning and purpose and happiness. So maybe if we dial this back, uh, get together collectively, do a better job in, in looking after the planet and maybe work a little less and, and you know spend a little more time over coffee or a glass of wine, we might not just have a better ecosystem and biosphere. But we might actually have higher quality of life.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, the Canada was number eleven in the happiness index, and I think America was nineteen, right?
1: Yeah. It turns out that uh, in many cases, uh, energy use and the rate at which we're trashing the biosphere is actually inversely proportional to happiness.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should just point that out. You'll get happier if you uh, if you get out of your F one hundred and fifty and start using uh, fast transit, uh, electric transit. Yes. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Darren, so your book is out. Uh, your book is out from uh, Fernwood Publishing. You can find it uh, where fine books are sold. Why don't you tell us about your uh, website? You have a website where you're a uh, blog.
1: Yeah, my website is Uh, uh I do blogs there. Uh, there's more information about my book there, Civilization Critical, mm-hmm. and the book is available at your local independent bookstore. Maybe check there first, and if you can't find it there. From the publisher Fernwood or on Amazon,
0: or we should just buy it electronically, basically. Or no, we're still using the uh, linear model there, aren't we? Well, it's <laughs> well, no, <that's, laughs> buy it that's... in whichever form you <laughs> prefer. Well, that's that's an interesting question. How do we get a uh, how do we get a book delivery in a circular model? But uh, but I'm sure somebody will be able to figure it out.
1: Yeah, we'd start by recycling all the paper more effectively.
0: All right, so we'll get rid of all our old books and then okay. Darren, thank you for this. It's been, a, it's been a fascinating exploration.
1: John, I really appreciate this, and, and thanks for doing a great thought-provoking podcast.
0: <laughs> this has been Technotopia. Talk I'm John you See you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp. is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp. loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Tectotopia is also sponsored by CheapTranscription.io. Cheap Transcription offers 10 cent per minute transcriptions using our happy robots or 85 cents per minute using our human assistance. Cheap Transcription.io is cheaper and faster than everyone else. CheapTranscription.io.